0: for Detroit City Council
1: at large. Please share your Detroit background and relationship to Detroit, your history of being a Detroiter.
0: Uh, Well, sure, Um, in a couple of ways. The first way is when I was a, a, um, let's see, I was probably in maybe the eighth grade, the first time that I uh, came to Detroit uh, from Alabama. My dad uh, got a job at General Motors. And um, he was kind of on the fast track because he's a self-talk mechanic, but General Motors wanted him, wanted him here. But then he decided he did not like um, Michigan. He was just a country boy. So he moved us all back to Alabama. And I told myself that once I was out of high school, that I, that I would return. So, but while I was here, I, I did attend uh, Sherrod Junior High School and I went to um, Northern for a summer semester because I liked schools. So I just wanted to go and try to, remember when well, they used to have grades that were like 9A and 9B and whatever. So I was going because I wanted to just hurry up and finish high school. That's, what, that's why I did that. Um, then the second connection was after I finished high school, uh, I did return and here I am. And I've been working in this community since the day that I, since I returned in
1: 1973. Tell the story of what led you to run for office.
0: I, I love public service. I do. It's, it's, it's part of who I am. Even when I was working in corporate America, such as Blue Cross Blue Shield and places like that, I still was engaged in the community. You know, I was doing things like the Twelve uh, Together program and those different kinds of programs uh, with the young people. I helped start the political action committee for Blue Cross Blue Shield. I was doing a number of things, uh, working with uh, Fishers for YM for YMCA. You know, so it has always been a part of me. And I think that's probably why another part of me knew that I needed to leave Alabama because there was something inside of me, within me, that was yearning to do other things. And so I started out very small, but I ended up just doing a lot of things, helped a lot of other people with their campaigns, and ended up running for the Charter Revision Commission in 1993 to 1996. I served on there as vice chair. And the rest is certainly uh, history because I ended up running for other offices, um, uh, such as state representative, um, I served there six terms uh, and never missed a day for six years. That I was their first African American female floor leader in the history of the Michigan House of Representatives. Um, so I understood then that it was about economics. So I fought to save uh, our college. They wanted to do away with Wayne County Community College. They wanted to. Um, Close down a couple of healthcare centers here uh, in, in, the, in Detroit. I fought and saved those. I helped people to get jobs. Um, I help people to get judicial appointments. I love doing it and I love making things happen. And so, and that's what I what I do. And it's like I, I say to people, you want to make some things happen, j- just um, put me in that spot. I'll do that. I will. And I won't always be loud about it, you know. But sometimes my colleagues used to call me uh, in Lansing, quiet storm, you know, because most things that I did were very quietly, but I was effective. So I have a proven track record for getting things done. And I love working on behalf of the people. I like seeing the results of those positive things.
1: What is your understanding of the duties of the office you are running for?
0: Well, let's see. Now, they... You, we're talking, what, appropriate and legislate. It's similar to what we did um, in Lansing, you know, and it's supposed to be some checks and balances. Um, in the, you know, city council does not report to the mayor, okay? Uh, they report to the people just like the mayor does. So their primary responsibilities are what? Budgetary appropriations or uh, legislative
1: policy are you familiar with and what is your position on the Detroiters' Bill of Rights?
0: Oh, oh, oh I, I, I support the uh, Detroiters' Bill of Rights. I mean, you know, it's, it's a whole encompassing, whole health thing is how I see it. And then perhaps we can make sure that, um, that water is never shut off again, ever.
1: What is your position on water shutoffs and water affordability in the city of Detroit?
0: Well, one of the things that we have to do, we have to establish a fund for it, right? And I think right now that the city is not shutting off any any water right now. We don't know how long that's going to hold in in the future, but we've got to prepare for it now, right? So we've got to, uh, for example, the American Rescue Plan dollars that are here, we've got to use that, those dollars. There are other dollars uh, that we can draw from. We can make this happen. We can make sure that the fund is established so that it protects people. Listen, the pandemic hit. There were still some people without water. And can you imagine that maybe it might have saved some lives, right? Now, once they realized how necessary it was for people to be able to wash their hands, of course, they immediately tried to turn water on. But there were so many people still that they were not able to reach. They didn't even know whose water was actually shut off and I think the best way to avoid that is just not do it because we don't know what the future holds we just don't
1: how would you enhance Detroit's neighborhoods and which neighborhoods would be your priority any specific one
0: well you know I'm gonna tell you what I did during the pandemic I did two things one was running and walking a lot because I couldn't visit right the other thing that I did was drive through the various neighborhoods East side, west side. I can't make a choice. They all need it, you know, and, but I can go into each neighborhood and I can probably set some priorities, you know, depending on, on what those needs are. But I won't sit there and say, Oh, no, we're going to do the, uh, east side first or the west side first or southwest. No, we have got to work on them all at, at the same time. Now we've got to make sure that our, that money is in the neighborhoods we've got to repair homes that's what my press conference was all about today home repairs uh, we stood in front of a senior citizen's home uh, she needs a roof she needs you know infrastructure issues uh, can help to revitalize our neighborhoods right if we can take care of you know things like uh their sidewalks their porches their roofs and things like that leaking basements all those kinds of things all of these things help to revitalize our neighborhoods, to help people to remain in their homes and keep them from getting sick. you having a flooded basement and all the mold and all those kinds of things that occur. It's going to make some people sick. And I had the senior to tell me today, she said, it stresses me so much. You know, it stresses her a lot. And I felt so bad about that because it ought not to be. We have to do better. And we need to draw on those community uh, block uh, grants, okay, development block grants. And if we can do that, we can make sure that we have grocery stores in the communities so that, uh, people can have fresh food, fresh, uh, vegetables and fruit, right? And we don't want all of this spoiled food sold in our neighborhoods. It is killing our people and it's time for it to stop. And there's too many stores that are not being, what, uh, investigated enough. People need to go in. Make sure they're not selling old meat and so forth. We've got to do it. We've got to care enough.
1: How would you enhance Detroit's neighborhoods and which neighborhoods would be your priority? Any specific one?
0: Well, we, we've got to figure out, first of all, we, we have to identify that it's an abandoned property owned by the city, which means we have to take make sure that we look up each address, okay? And once we've identified that, then we have to, uh, well, what we can do If it's owned by the city, if the city's not taken care of, let's figure out how we can make sure that somebody who lives in the city, uh, who wants to purchase that property and maybe start a business or something like that, we'll just we need to just sell it to them or give it to them, you know, at a very, very low rate or give it to them because it doesn't make any sense for the city to continue to hold on to property that they're not going to maintain. And I'm, and and I had a gentleman when I was doing knocking the other day who says, you know, all these buildings and stuff around, he said, I would like to be able to purchase some of these buildings. He should be able to do that, right? He should be able to Purchase some of this property. And a lot of people are aware that you have people coming in from other countries and other states. They're buying of all this property, even the, the vacant homes and that kind of thing, the abandoned properties for whatever reason, foreclosures and so forth. We need to make sure if there are Detroiters or folks here in Michigan who wants to purchase that property and maintain it, we need to make sure that is done. And I'm certainly willing to do that.
1: What's your position on the repayment of residents who have been over assessed and overpaid property taxes?
0: Well, I got to tell you, I think it hits most of us who who live in the city, the majority of us. And in fact, the senior citizens home that we're in front of today, she has been, she was over assessed by $11,000 that we know of that we know of now. It could be higher. You know, if uh, I suppose, if you look back a little bit further, it's probably higher but meanwhile she is trying to get a loan or whatever just to try to get her roof fixed and some other things when in fact she was over assessed now now that money needs to be available for her so what i'd like to see are a couple things one work with the state of michigan to determine who was who was over taxed and who over assessed rather and who and by how much, how much? See, we have to collaborate with the state of Michigan because why? Because they are ultimately responsible for it. We have to collaborate with them, that, whole, that tax commission and so forth, so that we can make sure that that happens. And then we want to say to the land bank, for those people who lost their homes, we want a free renovated home. You just give it to them. Don't charge them a penny. Now the law might say you have to give them a dollar or something, but we don't want people to pay for those things. All right. So those are the kinds of things that that we, we, we want to see happen, uh, even if if the city says that they don't have um, all of the money available right now. what about some tax credits? And, you know, OK, take it all off their, their property taxes for the next year or the next few years or whatever it might be. Right. That's a way to do it, too. There is a way to do it. And so uh, we need to get to be about the business of making that happen.
1: What's your definition of police reform? Do you feel it's needed in Detroit? If so, in what ways? What is your position on facial recognition technology?
0: Well, i start with the facial recognition. I'm against it, period. It's not working uh, for black and brown people you know, they don't, you know, they can't tell one of us from another. So then what you have then are people, uh, racking up legal bills, trying to defend themselves that they cannot afford to do. So I'm just totally against it. I don't, it doesn't work. And we all not, all not to have it in terms of, um, police reform. I I think we have to just, um, start with some, some basic things. Now here now, we haven't had as many issues that I know of as some of the other cities have had around the country. However, I think that we need to be proactive, putting some things into place, starting with uh, making sure that there are social workers in each precinct. We don't want police officers going out to um, take care of an issue and is a mentally ill person with guns blazing. And so I think there's something in the works to make sure that those those kinds of things happen. I think there's cultural sensitivity that that needs to happen. The training needs to happen. Most of these police officers uh, do not live in the city of Detroit because they don't have to because of law. So I think maybe we need to offer some incentives to get them to actually live here in the community that they represent. They need to live where they police and, and it needs to be more public safety versus policing. And, The other thing that I've been thinking about that we need to do, we need to uh, cultivate those relationships for sometimes, for example, some young people, some of the young people might wanna become police officers when they graduate from high school, right? So we can start those relationships while they're in middle school, you see. Put them back in the schools, let them establish relationships with the young people so that the young people are not afraid of them. It helps to build trust, right? all those kinds of relationships can help and it would just help our community in the future. And we're talking about that whole cultural sensitivity thing. And people really need, uh, the other thing that needs to happen is that when patrol cars go out, if they haven't been properly trained and most of them have not, I don't care what they say, we need to have one black officer, and one white officer. I hate to say it, but it's just true. Uh, Because a lot of times if you walk up on some of our young men, and I can walk up on some young men and I can speak their language or whatever, or at least understand, some people cannot. And so it becomes, you know, a situation that's not going to be healthy. And so I think that, I hope that the new chief will take all of those, or the interim chief will take all of those kinds of things, um, you know, into
1: consideration. What do you see as the future of Detroit? i
0: see neighborhoods just beautiful neighborhoods just just vibing you know thriving and i want so if 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 people decide that they want some sort of economic development in their neighborhoods all we need to do as elected officials is to help them with their plan because the plan needs to come from them you see When you're a public servant, you're supposed to listen. And your job is to be the advocate on behalf of those that you represent, right? The city council is the first line of defense for the citizens of this city. And they should be willing to listen. They have to listen and do what it is that the people want. See, you can't be so egotistical that you think you know what's best for each community, you don't know. So you need to ask them. When I was a state rep, I give you an example. There was a, uh, a community on the on the north end, and they said um that they wanted to come up with a plan for the north end. I said, okay, let's sit down. We had regular meetings. They drew up their own plan. I, you know, we submitted it to planning and development. By the time that we finished with the plan, though, guess what? I was term limited, so I no longer had had the wherewithal to enforce such a plan but that's how important i think it is that we should engage them we should not come up with plans for neighborhoods and say this is what we believe is best we have to include the people it's the only way it's going to work It's the way that you build those relationships and build
1: trust why should detroiters vote for you i have a proven
0: track record of getting things done. Um, As a a person who sat on the Charter Revision uh, Commission, I know how the city should work. As a person who served as state representative, I know how to find those resources. I know how to go back to Lansing because there are a lot of things that we do, we need to be engaged at the state level. And we also, as elected officials too, we need to have, say, quarterly meetings. Well, we talk with each other. How do we best deliver services for the city of Detroit? You have people at the state level who represent the city, people at the county level who represent the city. We need to get that job done. So I just want Detroiters to know that if they decide to take another chance on me, just like they did, did when they voted for me for a for state representative, I will work hard. I will never, ever put my personal interests above theirs. Never, ever. They can count on me to to keep my promise to be there and to work hard. I, I have a proven track record of it, and I'll be there. I'll be working every single day, and they can count on me to listen. I'm really good at that, and so um, that's why they should vote for me. And I hope that they do uh, so that they can see true public service at work. Because you know what? I think that I can be a really good example for some of those people on the city council. They need to understand the true meaning of public service, and I intend to show them what it really means.